a new intro to start a new year. Welcome in everyone to GC Live Talking Tuesday, the first episode of 2024. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate having you guys here today. And if you're watching throughout South Carolina and heading on down to Florida, you've been working your way up the coast. Hope everyone stays safe today. We'll try to keep this show to just under an hour. So around that time period, not to play meteorologist here, but that's when the the heavy stuff is start to uh, is expected to hit in the Columbia area. So that God forbid, knock on wood, that everything's gonna be safe. But if everyone needs to start paying attention to that, which obviously comes first, you'll be able to do that and you won't miss anything here. So again, we'll try to keep this to about an hour. A lot to get yep. to today since the last Plenty. time we did one of these shows. Uh, obviously, I was on Joe's show on Sunday, the walkthrough. But as far as what has took place since even going back to, I'd say, six days ago, five days ago, really, South Carolina yeah. has landed a handful plus of commitments, transfer mm-hmm. players. Uh, in addition to that, they were able to pick up a walk-on. So I say all that, Joe, because where South Carolina ranks today, we'll pull this up on the screen for those of you who haven't seen it. Those of you that are Gamecock Central subscribers, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But we're going to head on over to the transfer portal rankings. And to sum it up the best way I can with how on three does their algorithm. Yeah. It calculates how talented a player is. And a lot of it, obviously, from the high school standpoint. But how talented a player is, and it averages out a number, right? And then, in addition to that, the players who left, in this case, South Carolina, 21 players have entered the portal. You're able to get a number there. And it gives you, you know, the comparison, right? And for South Carolina, according to On3, and I'm going to share the screen with you guys right now, you'll see that South Carolina is doing pretty dang good. Now, having said all that, and we'll take a deeper look, Joe, into the transfer portal and what all this means. But yep. as you see right there, and I'll make this a little bit bigger so you guys can see it better depending on where you're watching it on, South Carolina is currently ranked fourth. They're currently ranked fourth. So I'll give you guys the top five. You see Missouri there coming in at five. I think the big thing to me, Joe, and again, this is the algorithm, and we can look at that in multiple ways, right? When we talk about recruiting from a high school standpoint, essentially we're talking about an algorithm, right? We're talking about you know, how players are ranked, how many stars mm-hmm. they have, and you're putting that into a, a system, and it spits out what that number is as far as team rankings. So similar to this, right? So again, no one's saying, all right, hey, let's start a parade. Let's start a parade because South Carolina is ranked fourth right now in the team rankings from a portal standpoint. They were outside of the top 10 a week ago, but they have absolutely climbed with a monster past week. To me, what it shows me is, again, you're looking at it from a computer standpoint. At the end of the day, you play on the field, and we know that they lost Juice Wells. We know that they lost some talent. But at the same time, too, all in all, what South Carolina has been able to do is, yes, they've lost some talent, but they've really le- reloaded a lot of positions. Running back, we knew that was going to be an issue, certainly after losing Mario Anderson, in addition to the fact that they were very thin there already. But they've really been able to 
make that room, in my opinion, at least on paper, better than where it was a year ago. Certainly better than it was at the end of the season. You look at the linebacker room. What they've been able to do, especially through the portal, and put aside the freshmen coming in here, right? Because we'll wait and see what they're able to do. I'm not going to get too crazy on a lot of freshmen coming in outside of maybe, I'd say, Dylan Stort. But they have a lot of talented pieces that they've been able to add. And as you can see, you don't have to be a math whiz to know this, 21 players out, 15 players in. Because of that, they were able to have some extra scholarships. Now, as of today, they are one over the scholarship mark. They're at 86, down to 85 is what you need. And that is the projected for the fall. So there's certain players right now that did not enroll early, as early enrollees for the 2024 class. Obviously, you have guys like Dante Reno, Fred Johnson, right? We can keep going down the list. Cam Pringle, Blake Franks. I mean, you get what I'm trying to get at. Mazio Bennett. So you have early enrollees. But that number is the projection on how many scholarships you're going to have for the fall. What's just your initial thoughts when you see this number, Joe? Yeah. And again, this is just an algorithm. But when you see what South Carolina has been able to do despite losing 21 players and what they've been able to do in terms of flipping the roster around. Yeah, so the 21 and 15 numbers to me, I mean, that just means there's still work left to be done, right? They have to fill up the scholarship numbers. Um, if they you know want to compete next year, they've done a good job so far, which is why they're at number four, right, Mike? We talked about it a little bit on my show. Um, you know, expectation versus reality. What this number really means to me is that you know South Carolina is getting a lot of good players in the building right now to fill gaps that you need out of the players that you've lost, right? It's a case to case basis. Shane has talked about that a bunch between you know what positions you want high school guys in and what positions you want transfer portal guys in. It 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 changes and you know depending on what you have in the portal that year, that also shakes up. You mentioned the linebacker position. Don't blame a power leave you go stack up at linebacker. Um and so you know it's evolving. South Carolina is doing a really good job of that right now. Um do I really think it means a whole lot and or going or, or you know concrete wise heading into the year? Not necessarily, right? What really means something about is the product that's on the field. It should excite you that you're getting guys with experience that have performed um at other places. Um, but I mean, ultimately what matters is what happens week one when you put the football down. So yeah, it should excite people, but you know, I don't put the cart before the horse, you know what I'm saying? So We'll look into some of the players that they've been able to add. I don't want to go too crazy with some of it because, you know, it's been a couple of days old now. And if you really want to take a deeper look, head on over to Gamecock Central. We have breakdowns on all these players who South Carolina has been able to add. And one thing I do want to say, though, about the players they've been able to add, Joe, we've talked about this before between you and I. One thing in particular, and I'll click on this and you guys can see some of the names. We'll talk about the transfers in. One thing that South Carolina has been able to do this offseason is a lot of these players have only one year of eligibility left, okay? Now, there are some players that South Carolina has been able to add through the portal that have more than one year of eligibility left, but the reason I want to bring that up, the one year of eligibility, guys, is because when you look at where South Carolina needs depth, and you're looking at certain positions of players that are coming in here, whether they're coming in from the FCS ranks, whether they're coming from a Power 5 school like a, a peer of Pittsburgh players are. 
the guys that are coming in here, especially the ones that are that that have played at the FCS ranks or Group Five, or they've had they've proven themselves. They've proven themselves, right? They've proven themselves to a point where you're expecting them to come in here and push for starting time right away. Now, again, we can always do this. We can go position to position, position. We'll, we'll have plenty of time to do that. Spring football, we're a couple months away. We'll be able to do that. But my whole point is. When you look at the needs for certain positions, right? You look at the need at running back. Yes, they've been able to bring some players in there that have two, three years of eligibility left. But being able to bring in a Rocket Sanders, who, again, you would just assume on paper, he would be the week one starter, the projected week one starter, right? That is a need. They have a need in that positional room for a starting running back after what was lost last year, especially with Mario Anderson leaving not being able to have the depth in that room, and now it looks much deeper than it's been in. I, I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, I've been covering the Gamecocks since 2016. This is the deepest running back room I've seen probably in my tenure here in South Carolina yeah. covering the Gamecocks. You look at what they've been able to do in the linebacker room, losing Stone Blanton, losing a guy like Pup Howard, and what they've been able to do by adding not just linebackers who could be good, but linebackers that have proven themselves, right? Bengali. I mean, what he was able to do at Pittsburgh, and I'm just going to continue to scroll down the list. Demetrius Knight, what he was able to do at Charlotte, a guy that also had experience the previous, I believe it was three years, playing at Georgia Tech. And he led the team in tackles this past season for Charlotte, was an all-conference selection, right? I'm looking at the linebacker position there. And then you look at the defensive line room. Kyle Kennard. Now, when you look at what South Carolina has at edge, and obviously we can get into it with Dylan Stewart. Aside from Dylan, and that's not to say that none of these freshmen will make an impact because they certainly will. There certainly will be freshmen that will make an impact. But when you look at what South Carolina has, that would be the player that I think everyone would would assume. Like, all right, that's a guy that can come in here day one and he's going to be able to compete somewhere. He's going to be able to compete for some serious playing time. But you look at, too, adding a guy like Kennard, adding depth, and that was an issue that South Carolina had on the defensive line. Specifically defensive tackle, again, another position they've been able to add plenty of depth to from the portal. So I bring these things up, Joe, because it's not just, okay, they're bringing in guys who have done well at other schools, whether it be at the FCS rank, whether it be at you know other Power 5 schools. And again, some of these guys don't have the type of resume that some of these other players have. That'll always be the case. But you're bringing in guys here who can certainly make an impact at positions of need. It's not just, hey, bring this guy in because it looks good. No, no, no. Running back, need that. Linebacker room, need that. Receivers, we haven't even talked about that. And again, they still have some question marks there, but they've been added, They've been able to add a couple pieces there as well. Absolutely. You talk about the defensive line room. Part of Shane's reasoning of going out and getting some help at the defensive line room, one, you're not as deep there. Two, you know, that's one thing that Boogie Huntley and Tonka Hemingway asked for in their exit meetings was help um, and depth there too. You know, good teams with depth, the line of scrimmage, no matter offensive line or defensive line, go pretty far because in the SEC, you're going to face offenses that go a million miles an hour. 
So you're going to need, you know, big guys that are able to, you know, rotate in and make an impact when they, you know, are called upon. Maybe they might not be starting, but, you know, if they can get in the game and be a game breaker, that's what you want. And a lot of these guys that they're recruiting on the line of scrimmage in the transfer portal are high ceiling guys, guys that, you know, come in, you know, say somebody goes down, I'm knocking on wood here, um, you know, is able to step up within, you know, a week or so of, you know, being in the lineup and taking the cracks with the first team you know somebody who can step up when needed um if you have depth issues so not only is it more help um but it's also a depth thing um and you know when you are stacked like that in you know both rooms offensive line because you you added the guy from I, I believe Oklahoma um on the offensive line Aaron Simmons I believe or mm-hmm. yeah yep so that's it's another big addition Aaron so Park. uh yeah yeah, Parks. Sorry. Um, again, Mike, you struggled with this on my show. So uh, you just have yeah, a lot of guys coming in. It's been seven. There's seven new guys here. But I think yeah, exactly. You know, the other thing too, and I see Jay Diz. Appreciate Jay Diz being back on with us. Says I'm tired yeah. of the excuse from the coaches. Year four now, and a bunch of one year transfers, five and seven again, isn't going to cut it. I don't want to hear that anything is holding us back. I think when you yeah. look at and, and I thought about this too. And I know some people are going to roll their eyes when I say TCU, but I've looked at the national championship and certainly South Carolina has a long, 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 long way to go before we're talking about anything like that. Having said all that, what I've looked at from teams over the last couple of years, there's not it's in this new era, right? TCU, what they did was they went out, and they went into the portal two years ago when they made it to the national championship. But one thing they did a really good job of that season, one thing that Georgia did a very good job of, Michigan has as well, is that these teams were able to retain a lot of talent. Now, having said all that, right, losing 21 players, it's certainly it's not something you're going to be thrilled about. And as we've said many times before, there's no question that on paper, this football team is a hell of a lot better having a guy like Juice Wells opposed to the alternative. And we can go down the list of the players that they've lost. I'm not saying that South Carolina would not be better with some of these guys that have left. However, when you look at the majority of the players who have left and what South Carolina has brought in, it's difficult not to say that this team looks better overall. Having said that, again, that's looking at the totality of the of the situation. That's not specifically saying the wide receiver. That's looking at everything. South Carolina has certainly got better at the running back position this offseason. There's no question about that. Uh, they've got better at the linebacker room. I really like the talent that they've brought in there. They've got better on the defensive line, not just at D-tackle, at the end positions too. So mm-hmm. th- there's positions still that there's going to be question marks about. Being able to bring in a guy like Brady Hunt, that's going to help that tight end room out a lot. I've also mentioned this before, Joe. I think it's also going to help out the wide receiver simply because you have a tight end who has the ability to be a pass catcher. He's one of those guys who I've made comparisons to because of the size and the speed. He reminds me a lot from a college standpoint, a college version of Hayden Hurst. And having covered him during his tenure here at South Carolina, that's who he reminds me of. And as many Gamecock fans will recall with Hayden, yeah, Hayden was very physical with a blocking, with the, from a blocking standpoint, but he was really able to stretch the field as a pass threat too. So I say that because when you have a lot of question marks 
in that wide receiver room, being able to add a guy like Brady Hunt to go along with a guy like Josh Simon, who didn't really have the opportunity until the end of the year to show what he was capable of doing from a pass catching standpoint. We saw it in preseason. We saw the phenomenal catch during a one-on-one drill from Spencer Mm -hmm. Rattler to him. But because of the inconsistencies on the offensive line, the injuries on the offensive line, the inability to give Rattler time from a blocking standpoint, you had to ask your tight ends, never mind the fact that Trey Knox was banged up for the majority of the season, but especially at the beginning of the year, you had to ask a guy like Josh Simon to block a little bit more than what he was probably going to do. Not saying that he's not physical because he's a very physical tight end, but I say those things because you have two tight ends who have the ability to stretch the field as receiving threats, and you're trying to develop that wide receiver room from a continuity standpoint and trying to get them on the same page, it's going to be able to help out. But I do like, again, the positions that they've been able to address of needs, and certainly quarterback's still one of them, right? People will probably ask at this point, Joe, how much more will South Carolina go into the portal at this point? I think the problem is when you look at the scholarship standpoint, and again, it's the 86 is the projected number from the fall for the fall. So is there a possibility that after spring football, a player or two could enter the portal? Absolutely. And I think we'll see that throughout college football. There's a second window coming up in the spring. It's a 15 day window. And that typically does happen throughout college football because some players come back and they're told, okay, this is what my, role is going to be or they assume their role is going to be and what happens that's not what their role is or they feel like you know what i'm not where i I feel like i should be at on the depth chart i'm going to go take my chances elsewhere so some extra possibilities could open up from a scholarship standpoint yeah the question now becomes from a quarterback standpoint if it doesn't happen sooner rather than later this semester now you're looking at the possibility of having sellers in reno and Doty working probably more with the quarterbacks just because of the lack of bodies, even if he will be more of a wide receiver. He's going to have to be in that quarterback room. They get a lot of reps. That's great. But now if you bring someone in after spring football at the quarterback position, they're well behind, well behind. It, again, even if you feel like Sellers is the guy, you want to really be able to push this young guy. You really want to push both those young players in there. So I think that's something that scares me a little bit is even if they do bring in a transfer quarterback, the the way things are looking right now, and that's not to say something can't change in the next couple of days, but the way things are looking, it appears that South Carolina is not going to be able to bring a quarterback in until after spring. And I think that's something that concerns me simply because, like I said, you're not having the same amount of opportunities to push some of these younger players. And number two, I mean, Tommy brings it up too, if an injury happens, but if uh, an injury happens, but the other part of it too is you're really not creating that competition that I feel like you need in every, every room, but especially the quarterback position. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, I'm glad Clint brought up the quarterback position because that's certainly one to talk about. You started with the tight end position, so I'll start there as well. Uh, yeah, I think Brady Hunt's a big addition to Josh Simon. I think Josh Simon is your number one going forward, and I think he's ready for that role, right? Um, you know, he got to learn under Trey Knock, a, a veteran in the game of college football that was very big for him. And I think Simon, this offseason, he's going to be putting in a lot of work. He's going to be ready to go that starting tight end but don't forget about Brady Hunt right I think Brady's ready to come in block 
and then do what he needs to do in the passing game as well. But I mean, we touched on that in, on my show as well. Uh, Brady Hunt's really, really good at blocking. Um, and so to have a guy like that to be able to free up Josh Simon to get vertical um, more often than and have Josh Simon blocking, I think that's a very big thing. And then you can also spring Brady as well. He's really good in the passing game. Um, Shane said, I believe where they noticed was again see breaking uh, tackles and stuff like that in the open field. Um, so Brady Hunt's a big addition to go with Josh Simon. And then, yeah, obviously the quarterback room, you have to go get a quarterback. Um, you know, sooner rather than later, you would hope to increase competition. Um, you know, you need to push Lenore Sellers. You need to push Dante Reno. And then Luke Doty, obviously, um, is in the room as well for support. But, yeah, you need somebody that, I mean, ideally would be the backup because you want Lenore Sellers to beat you know, whoever you bring in out, but you never know. I mean, if Lenores can't beat the guy that you bring in out, he's not ready. Um, so And that's the thing know, too. I mean, look at and Robert, yeah. and we've talked about this show. Robert's talked about this saying a transfer yeah. quarterback is not going to come it's in here without thing. a guaranteed start. That was the issue with AJ Swan. We've talked about this before. I was actually AJ on Swan. 107. I was on 107.5 the game today talking about that. Cause Beamer, if you guys recall, and this is about what now, three weeks ago, Early yep. national signing day, Shane did not directly say which quarterback or which quarterbacks were asking for guaranteed starting time. And he's not going to mention a player that's not part of the program. He's just not going to do that. And a lot of coaches don't do that. But that was one thing that we reported at Gamecock Central, which was AJ wanted guaranteed the guarantee that he was going to start. And I know mommy came out and mommy said, well, I just want my boy to go to LSU that listen. I've been around college football a hell of a long time as a player doing this, covering this now for over a decade. You deal with situations where a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, whatever the case may be, they're going to come out. They're going to say whatever they can to be able to help make their friend, loved one, relative look better, especially when it comes from a competition standpoint. So, look, in that case, he wanted to be able to be guaranteed the starting spot. I mean, we've, we've talked about this, I feel like, a lot on this program, especially going back to December when it happened. But I share that because, Robert, that's the challenging part. And I've had this conversation with a former Gamecock quarterback parent. I'm not going to say who. I'm not going to say exactly when this conversation was, not to give you guys an, an indication of who this player was. So. But we've talked, and he was like, the, the reality is people don't want to be a backup at South Carolina. And I've said this before, Joe, and I think the logical Gamecock fans will understand this. Some of them won't be as rational about the thought of this, but this isn't Alabama. This isn't Georgia. This isn't LSU. It's true. Yeah. So the idea of coming to South Carolina to be a backup quarterback to some they can't fathom that. It's not the same to them. It's a tremendous opportunity to be playing in the SEC. I mean, we know what this place is like. But having said that, that's just the reality of it. So I bring those things up because I think the challenging part now is, especially with the quarterback position, right? Because we, we would be talking about this from a wide receiver standpoint, defensive back, running back, whatever the case may be, right? You want to be able to create depth. You want to be able to create competition. The reality is, we all know, you only have one star. You only have one quarterback. You only have one guy on the field at a time in that spot. So it's difficult when you look at the supply and demand of quarterbacks, right? 
And a lot of these guys feel like they should be starters. And we can look at the rate rating systems of where they were when they were coming out of high school. That's great. That's great. Well, guess what? A year goes by, two years go by, there's going to be more players coming behind you out of high school, out of the JUCO ranks. Yeah. So I say that because I think the reality is, you know, if a quarterback wants to chase his dream of being a starter, that's great. And that's not to say that South Carolina can't bring in a guy in here who can't push Reno and can't push Sellers to be the starter. But it's just that mentality. And if you have any player that's saying, I want a guaranteed spot, and it happens. It happens throughout college football. It happens at college football. So I, I think, look, if South Carolina wants a talented quarterback, and I think this fan base understand it, understands it, and Joe, you said it best. If you bring someone in here and they beat out Sellers, that tells you Sellers just isn't ready to go. Okay, And we're not saying that that is the case. And as we've said before, Joe, if you bring someone in here and you're very high on sellers, and I know a lot of us are, if anything, it's only going to bring out the best of them. If anything, it's only going to prove how good he is if he's able to bring out a quarterback that you bring in here from God knows where. They're going to have to bring in someone. They're going to have to bring in I just don't know if that will happen this spring. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, you need to bring in somebody, Mike. It's It's been the, the conversation we've been having since the start of the offseason and the quarterbacks hit the portal, Colton Gauthier and Tanner Bailey. So, uh, yeah, you need to make a move at quarterback. I think, you know, having the support at running back helps a lot too. Um, you know, in terms of offense, now you really just have to worry about you know, a couple positions, right? You've already knocked out the defensive line. You could use a little bit more help at linebacker defense back as well. But, um, you know, you're really looking at offensive line and, and quarterback right now. So, um, you know, at least it narrows it down. You know, I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, coaches will want, you know, they want their high school guys to fill out the roster, the guys that they recruited, right? They don't want to go into the pool every single year. That's not what they want to do because then, you know, you're kind of scrambling. You're not, you don't have, you know, what you want exactly um, to fit into your offense and your scheme and your program. So when you're scrambling like that, you know, it's it's tough to really fill out what you want and put together you know, the whole vision. So I think every coach in the country is going through this right now. You know, what positions they're, you know, going to, you know, have to tend to look for in the portal rather than homegrown guys. So, um, you know, it's tough. It, it's really tough. And Shane's figuring that out. We talk about that a lot, too. You know, as much as the portal evolving, every coach in the country is learning as we are, right? Because so many guys are hitting the portal and so many guys are wanting a, to transfer and get a new start. So it's a really, really, really hard balance at the moment. Not every Everybody's dealing with it. Joe, I know you know how I feel about this, and I'll read Travis's comment. Travis, appreciate you being on the program again this week. Travis says, Reno and Sellers don't need to be pushed right now. They need to have confidence built into them. They need to be, uh, they need to be led, and Doty is a per- perfect for that. Here's the thing, Travis. This is where I disagree with you. Man, how do you bring up, you know, Case Keatum and CJ Stroud? Here's where I disagree with you about that. And it's not apples to apples, but I think back a couple of years ago, and I'm not saying that Sellers is this player that I'm going to bring up. I think back a couple of years ago when Ryan Holinsky was essentially given the keys to be the starting quarterback. The issue there was there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people weren't aware of, which 
from what I was basically told, he was given the keys and he just assumed he was going to be the starter. In the work that needed to go in to be the quarterback, he became very comfortable with what he was doing and being. And he needed to be uncomfortable more than anything, especially at how how young he was at that point. So I bring those things up because, again, that's not to say Sellers has the same mindset as Holinsky or even a talent standpoint or anything like that. What I'm trying to get at is when you're a young player, and it could be for any position, but especially the quarterback position, the last thing you want to do, especially for a quarterback that, guess what, as talented as Sellers could be, he hasn't took a meaningful snap outside of a Wildcat package. A lot of it was garbage time. And I'm not being a Debbie Downer. I would say this about any young quarterback. Well, right. So my point on him dominating the twos is simple, right? If he's dominating the twos, all that tells you is he deserves a shot with the ones. Absolutely. Right? That's all that's all that does. It doesn't doesn't mean is he's gonna he's gonna have success with the ones. Doesn't mean he's gonna be, you know, win a Heisman. No, that tells you he's better than the guys that they're on the second string. So he deserves a shot. That's all yep. that's all that says. But I just want what what we've tried to we're trying to convey here is being able to bring someone in outside of the fact of, you know, you want to have depth, you want to be able to have, you know, someone there, God forbid if an injury happens and we'll see what happens with Reno. But the reality is Reno hasn't even took a snap. He hasn't even took a snap in a practice for South Carolina. So right now, outside of Doty, who not only is your most productive returning wide receiver, 13 catches last year, Harbor with 12, but he's also your most proven quarterback. Having said all that, if Doty is going to mainly be a wide receiver, and I still think that with the situation they're currently in, and I don't want to – we'll change the subject up. I know we're talking a lot about this, but it's an important topic when we're talking about the quarterback position. Yeah. If you don't have someone in that room to really push someone, that worries me. It really does. It really does because Sellers goes into the situation thinking, all right, I'm going to be the starter. I don't like that. And I would say that about anybody. I would say that honestly about, you know, outside of the fact of Rattler last year, when you have a guy that you know is going to start, right? You really want to make sure that people feel uncomfortable in that room because it brings out the best in you. You know, even going back to the days when Connor Shaw and Steven Garcia were there. I mean, Garcia has shared stories that he knew how talented Shaw was and it brought out the best in him. And Shaw saw how good Garcia was. And obviously Shaw was much younger in his career, but it pushed him to get better. So, I mean, it goes back. It's every cliche under the under the, under the the sun. We talk about, you know, iron sharpens iron. And this is the Boston accent that slips out. Iron sharp, sharpens iron. I mean, it's the sharpens reality iron. of it. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind no, of where, I, I mean, where I'm at with everything. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and, you know, I think, again, bo- bottom line is you need to add a quarterback. Um, you know, And that's the other part too, Greg, right? I mean, Greg says yep. it, you know, Sellers has not even started a game yet. He is young and will need time to develop. That's the other part of it, right? Well, Drew's, Drew's got a good God point forbid, too. Let's just call it for what it is. God forbid Sellers goes in there. And let's just say Sellers just isn't ready. That's not just that's not being negative, but I think a lot of people are already like anointing this guy to be the second coming. And he could be very good. He could be having a hell of a gamecock career. But can we pump the brakes, please? Can we pump the brakes? 
I mean, go look at what's going on. We, we make comparisons sometimes to the school in the upstate simply because they're another power five school and they're in your state. Club Nick, I mean, shoot, people are ready for him. Hey, let's throw parades for him. He's the next cut. And guess what happened? He was not ready to go this year. You don't think Clemson would have loved to have had DJ Uwe Ungalale back there this season? So I say that because not to say that that will be the case with Sellers, but it's just to bring up the the reality of where we are. It's that, you know, and Brandon McElwain, Greg says, you have to go through. You have to go through the practices, ones-on-ones, all that stuff. Just, But again, I think the competition is what really worries me more than anything. They just don't have that in there right now. Yeah, I like Drew's point. Nothing against you know Dante, but I, I mean, personally, I wouldn't want to have my first start be in Bryant-Denny or just any at any point through this grueling SEC school. Um, you know, it does not sound fun. Uh, Drew makes a good point. I mean, Sellers is the guy, right? Like that, that's true. He is, you know, the guy that they are looking at to, you know, be the starting quarterback in the future of this program. But again, one injury away from having Dante, you know, who hasn't, like Mike said, hasn't taken a snap even in practice yet. Sure. He's an early enrollee, but again, the bowl practices would have helped Dante tremendously, but again, he hasn't had a snap yet in practice. He's going through, you know, the normal spring slate getting in classes and all that. But, I mean, that would be such a tough and grueling, hellish schedule to go through as a true freshman just got here. So, I mean, you don't want to put that on anybody, really. Um, so, yeah, Drew makes a good point. You, at the end of the day, Mike, you, you, need, you need another And one last, one last comment about the quarterback situation. We'll move on because, uh, Travis, yeah. you, you are uh, someone that tunes into our shows a good bit. We appreciate you. Um, and we appreciate the dialogue right here. Travis says, you know, how do these lumps that Cade took – you know, how, you know, help them be better next year and the year after that. I hear what you're trying to get at, but here's the other thing too. Let's call for what it is. Cause we've seen some of the comments here today. We've seen some of the comments on the message board. What else is out there in the community from talking to people? South Carolina is heading into year four of the Shane Beamer era. They're coming off a five and seven season at that position, more than any position, Right. You need to be able to have someone that's ready to go. I mean, it starts with your quarterback. I don't care who you have around them. It starts with your quarterback. With that schedule, if, and again, we're talking in hypotheticals because it's the offseason. Welcome to offseason mode, right? If Sellers isn't ready to go the way that some expect him to be, he might not be at that level where he could eventually be at some point. Because, again, I think he's going to have a good, great great career. I think he's a talented player. But he just might not be as ready as some people think he is. South Carolina lays the egg next year. Now what? It's not even about sellers. It's the bigger question of it all. It's about the program. Now you start questioning Shane Beamer. Now you start questioning possibly even Dow Loggins after year two. And now there's just a trickle-down effect of what could happen for a program who's trying to get back on their feet after not making a bowl game last year. So I think those are all the things too, that you got to keep in in mind is that, you know, we mentioned Klubnik, but in, in Craig brings up, you know, if Klubnik went down, they would have been screwed. Clemson at least made a bowl game last year, right? If South Carolina doesn't make a bowl, and again, these are just hypotheticals that we're talking here. Okay. And I hate doing the hypotheticals, but it's the off season. These are things to concern you a little bit. So bottom line is this. I think Sellers is going to be fine. I think Reno's going to be able to make the most out of his opportunities of being able to get extra reps too. And I think he's going to help push Sellers. 
but being able to bring someone in, and I hope it's before the spring, with spring practices starting up soon, but if they don't, even if you bring someone in, which they eventually will, whether it be a walk-on, whatever, just to create more depth and have just more bodies in there, that won't be, that wouldn't be until after the spring. And at that point, you're so behind, so behind. So we'll, we'll wait and see on that. Having said all that, Joe, having said all that, as we continue to move along with our program, looking at what took place last night in the national championship. And the reason I'm bringing this up, I'm going to bring it back to a South Carolina standpoint. Okay. You're looking at a team that was able to do things that in this era, and typically when we're talking about era, we're talking about NIL, we're talking about the transfer portal. That's not exactly what I'm talking about here. Michigan did something that in this era, it feels like we have gotten away from. And those are two things. And Gamecock fans are going <laughs> to, especially the second one, they were able to win because they dominated running the football, rushed for over 300 yards, had a national championship record. But on top of that, defensively, that was probably the best tackling I've seen from a team in a long time. The open field tackling, the ability to get off the field on third downs, some of those stops they had. I share those things because when I look at South Carolina, you think for next season, right? And there's a lot of question marks about what this South Carolina team will look like as far as we talked about quarterback for a good 10 minutes for crying out loud. Yeah. How does South Carolina win next season in your mind? Tough schedule, right? And again, this is what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is this. Michigan did things, and obviously they had the players too. You need the players to be able to do that. When you look at South Carolina's roster for next season, question marks about the quarterback position, question marks about the depth, improving production from the wide receiver room. Obviously, they're still trying to figure out what's going to happen with the offensive line. I feel like the offensive line will take a step forward just because a lot of those younger players were able to develop. Right, Louis and Bubalade, Trevon Ba. You're going to get Marquis Anderson back, who was banged up all season. So I bring those things up because, and, and Craig mentions the word identity. What 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 are you looking at early on from where we are on January 9th, which is very difficult sometimes to try to figure out what the hell the identity is. We try to figure out sometimes three four weeks into a season. But when you want to look at South Carolina, what can that identity be if they want to be successful this upcoming season? Will it, will it be running the football? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a big, it's a big question, right? But I think that I took away from Michigan is that they have all of their players that are in the skill positions are the ones that you know are so key to your team. Those players are homegrown. Those kids are from the Midwest. I think Blake Corum's from Ohio, but um, you know they're getting kids from the area. And they're 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 sticking at Michigan, right? Sure, they Michigan had some transfers across the board, right? As a, any team does, but they were old, and they were you know they built, they stayed in the program, they trusted the process. I think that's really, 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 really hard to do in college football, and so it's kind of a blueprint when you can do it. You know, trusting the homegrown talent 
in the skilled positions. And I think that's one thing South Carolina is doing with Lenore Sellers and, you know, also trying to do with their offensive line is you know, keep it in home, you know, keep the guys that, you know, want to play for your university and want to play there for a long time. I think that's one of the, you know, foundations or the building block of roster construction in college football at the moment. If you can do that and do it well um, and keep the guys in-house and, you know, not have guys that are, you know, local or at least close to, you know, transferring out, I think that's the biggest thing. And Michigan did it, you know, mm-hmm. per- perfectly last night. You know, they, they played fundamental football and won because, that. you know, Mike, you brought up the tackling as well. I think, yeah. you know, keeping guys home on the defensive end is, is another big thing, right? You want an offensive lineman, running backs, and then deep. I think you're seeing that as well. South Carolina is having a lot of success from defensive backs from the state of South Carolina. Nicky Minori, D.Q. Smith, um, to name a few. So uh, you want to keep homegrown talent as much as you can. And you saw that as well with Spurrier's teams, how much success he had. Um, you know, that was keeping homegrown talent, you know, home. So Shane's doing a good job of that so far. And, you know, what impresses me the most, if, if you're going to translate anything from Michigan's success to South Carolina's, it is, you know, that Shane is keeping the, the in-home talent home. And, you know, most of those guys that are from South Carolina transferred out yet, knocking on wood here. But, again, that's that's what you want to see, right, Mike? So I, I think when we talk about what the identity of what the South Carolina team could be, and, again, this is very, very, very early, but it's off-season mode. And this is what I wanted. The reason I'm bringing all this up, of course, if you're just joining us, talking about the national championship last night between Michigan and Washington and how Michigan was able to do it, running the football, good tackling. You know, when you look at South Carolina from this past season, the tackling improved in comparison to maybe where it was the previous couple of years, but there was more missed assignments. There was more busted coverages. There was more... um, lack of pressure on the quarterback, right? Lack of distra- um, lack of putting pressure on the quarterback, sacks, being able to do stuff like that, being able to play from a defensive standpoint with the opposition playing from behind the sticks. So I say that because, and it goes without saying, if this team wants to be better next season, defensively, they have to be able to clean up a lot of things, right? The busted coverages, certainly. And I do feel better, and we've talked about this before, Joe, if mm-hmm. Jalen Kilgore is your starting nickel, which I would say at this point it looks that way, especially when you look at the fact of DQ Smith coming back. Yeah, he didn't have the best year in comparison to what he did his freshman season, his All-American year. And then you have Nick Eamon Worry, who was also an All-American that same year coming back. And then you have Kilgore, of course, who had an All-American year this past season. So you have three All-Americans back next season. And as we mentioned before, you're trying to find a way to make sure that you're keeping all three of them on the field. Because the last thing you want to do, and I think this is what we talked about before, Joe, I think one of the issues that South Carolina had last year, especially when Nick went down as early as he did, Kilgore started balling out. And you weren't going to take Kilgore off the field but at the same time too he was playing so damn good and I think as the season went on he got more comfortable playing nickel and that's why when they needed a nickel they try to fool around with okay let's put Nick out there because now we can keep all three of those guys out there because what happens if you don't play one of those guys well guess what one of those guys is going to enter the portal and someone's going to go pay him and he'll go somewhere else so I think that's one of the reasons why we saw South Carolina do some of the things they did 
from a defensive standpoint last year, experimenting with Nick. But I think they're going to look better from that standpoint. And then after that, I mean, shoot. And I think uh, JWM41 says it, no quarterback pressure, right? I don't care who you have in the defensive backfield. If you can't put pressure on the quarterback at some point, they're going to well, be. That's why they got the guys like Dylan Stewart. That's What's why that? they went after pass rushers. Correct. Yeah, pass rushers. Uh, Kendrick from from Pittsburgh. They're bringing in guys that are going to be able to put pressure on the ball. Now, in addition to that, we talk about the tackling and what they were able to do. Some of the linebackers they were able to pick up. Obviously, Debo's coming back. Debo Williams. Uh, we'll see what happens with Mokaba. You know, for any of those who have missed the reports over the last couple of weeks, and I said the last couple of weeks, you go back to early National Signing Day, but we've been talking about Mo and how he's making good progress. I'm paraphrasing from what Shane said on early National Signing Day, but he's making good progress. That he's someone, he's someone that if healthy, even if he's just 70% healthy with the new additions at linebacker, the defense should be in good shape. Now the question now becomes is South Carolina be able to cover, right? A corner situation. And I look at mm-hmm. that. But all in all, by being able to put more pressure on, I think it's going to clean things up for South Carolina overall. And it's going to help out the defensive backs more than anything because now you're putting more pressure on the quarterback. Okay. Now let's flip to the other side of the football. Is this a team that especially, you know, if they're falling behind in some of these games, it's going to be difficult to do. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case. So what I'm trying to get at is it's not always going to be this way. But if South Carolina does have it this way, are they a team that tries to run the football 40 times a game? I don't think that will be the case. I think what we'll see, though, I think what we'll see is South Carolina will run the football more. I think there'll be more run designed run plays. Certainly there'll be RPOs. Certainly there'll be plays where the quarterback will have the option, read options, right? Stuff like that, where he'll be able to decide if he wants to hand the football off. But I think there'll be more designed run plays simply because you look at what's in that running back room. And again, with the question marks at the wide receiver position, at the quarterback position, especially early on in the season, you look at that week one matchup against Old Dominion, Old Dominion's a team that over the last couple of years, they've been able to find ways to go into power five houses and being able to pull off some upsets. Here's a team that is not going to come into williams Bryce Stadium and think, oh man, like we can't do this. They're going to think they can do it. Now, having said that, you're bigger than them. You're faster than them. You should be able to run the football on them if you want to be able to do that. And if you're able to do that, what's that going to do? That's going to be able to give especially if it's Sellers week one, that's going to be able to give him some more confidence. That's going to be able to slow the game down for him as well. Because as we've talked about before with Rattler in the past, it's going to force the opposition to have to bring a guy down to the box and that opens up some of the passing lanes. So I think what South Carolina will do early on next season, based on what we are looking at, Joe, I think this is a team that's going to try to run the football a little bit more than they did this past season. I think we'll see screens, short passes, slants, trying to find ways to get the ball out of the hands of sellers or whoever the hell the quarterback is week one until they can figure out who's going to be that home run threat. Now, I think Jared Brown is capable of doing that coming in from Coastal Carolina, but this is us saying this you know, right now. And until we see Jared out there in the spring and see what he looks like from a continuity standpoint, 
I think that's what we'll see from South Carolina. I think this is, will be a team that will try to use their speed, their speed, and then certainly their size at the running back position, starting with Rocket Sanders, to try to beat you in trying to help out a young quarterback. Yeah, I'm assuming Dell is going to try to run the ball a little bit more this season um, than he did last season because now you have a fully restocked running back room. It's crazy. This is what you were trying to do last offseason and that you were unable to do. Um, so I think that's big. And you're going to see them try to run the ball and have that be part of the identity of this offense because you need to do that in the SEC. You need, the ball. you need to do it effectively. So with the pieces you're stacking up on the offensive line, that should excite you. Marky Anderson coming back. We'll see how that like the depth and how everything shakes out in spring ball in terms of offensive line. But yeah, they're going to be running the football a lot more um, thanks to the portal additions. Oscar Attaway, uh, Rocket Sanders, obviously very big one as well. Um, but yeah, fully, fully restocked running back room will be a breath of fresh air for this offense. And it'll also, you know, you know, take some pressure off of Lenore Sellers, like you were saying, Mike, or whoever, again, may be in that quarterback spot um, come week one. But being able to run the football is just – it's the key to this offense, right? I think this it's what opens up this offense. It allows defenses to be more – or it forces defenses to be more disciplined in the run game, and then that opens up a lot of the flashy stuff that you see – or that you saw from Lenores when he did get into the game, you know, the kind of the run-and-gun stuff. Uh, defenses are playing the run. That's when that kind of stuff opens up. So uh, a lot to be excited about with what South Carolina has added in the portal so far and, you know, from at least to running backs because of what it does for the offense as a whole. And look, I get it. I know it's not sexy. It's not necessarily always fun to watch when you're seeing screen passes, uh, the quick game, right, seeing slants. But the other part of it is, and this, uh, and obviously this is just, you know, again, more off-season talk. We're trying to figure out who the hell is going to be on the offensive line for South Carolina. I mean, we could throw some names out there, but what, are the, what is that starting five going to look like, right? So I bring those things up because – Again, even though I'm optimistic that the offensive line is going to look better next season, you're trying to still figure out, okay, what's that protection going to look like? Are they going to be able to give Sellers or whoever at quarterback the time to be able to throw the football down the field if you want to take some deeper shots? Having said all that, you're trying to still figure out who's going to be that home run threat. And I think the challenging part for South Carolina fans, which I think some understand, never mind the fact that you're losing Rattler, who was able to make things happen out of thin air for crying out loud, even on a lot of broken plays, you don't have Xavier Leggett come back. You don't have Xavier Leggett back here. Never mind the fact of what he was able to do from a playmaking standpoint. That was a big boy. He was a tank. He was fast. He was strong. He could jump through the roof for crying out loud. I mean, he was, he was a wagon. So now, you have a guy like Nicholas Harbor, which, as we've talked about before, Joe, not a five-star wide receiver coming out of high school, five-star athlete, a tight end and defensive mm-hmm. end. And as we saw during the preseason, he had a couple drops, and that was something that he dealt with for a good portion of the beginning of the year, continuing to learn the position. Is he ready to take that next step to be the number one? I don't think he's ready to take the number one spot quite yet. And I'm not saying that he necessarily has to do that. But the reason I bring these things up is because this is what we're talking about with when you're talking about from an offensive identity standpoint, 
Jared Brown, who I think can do some good things, and some of the additional wide receivers they've been able to pick up for the portal, it's great. But how does that mesh with what you got? You know, I do think that we're going to see some of the guys from the class of 2023, right? A guy like Elijah Codwell, who was banged up early on in the season. I think we're going to see some of those guys who really didn't either have an opportunity for one reason or another, or maybe they just didn't get an opportunity. I think we're going to see someone from that class take a big step forward. I've also shared before how big I am on Russell and some of the things that he was able to do and the opportunities he was able to get last season. But when we're talking about a lot of these guys, they're not number one receivers. You know, they're not number one. They're guys that you could see playing at that two spot, three spot, even four. They're not, they're not ones, not right now, at least. So I think that's the biggest question for me is who is going to be that guy? I mean, Xavier will get what he was able to do outside of the fact of you talk to people that were close to the program. They felt like he was going to take that next step. As we've said before, no one saw that coming. I don't even think Xavier saw that coming simply because Juice Wells was not expected to be hurt, right? And then he goes down and Xavier has to become the number one wide receiver, not just the number one wide receiver, but one of the top wide receivers in the country. So I don't know who that guy is. And that's going to be something that we'll talk more about this offseason. Who can be that number one wide receiver? Is it going to be Jared Brown? I mean, right now on paper, you would assume he'd be. You would assume he'd be the number one guy. Will he be the number one guy, though? You're not yeah. working with a lot right now from a returning production standpoint. No, you're not. And I mean, you're you essentially went to the portal to get veteran guys to bring up Nick Harbor. Now, on your your point on Nick Harbor not being ready to start, I mean, I, I agree to be the number one guy. Right? There's multiple receivers on the field, um, but I mean, I think we saw flashes of Nick Harbor being capable. The number one, I think, that Missouri game showed a lot um in terms of you know his readiness but again i think you know he's you know more fit for number two and then you know they use all these weapons every weapon that is in the wide receiver room if they come in and compete the way that you know shane wants them to um day in and day out everyone should see the field so um you know it, it'll be a big big deal to see you know who's seeing the field throughout summer ball um in terms of these transfer guys nick Harbor will be in the rotation and mike i will also add this harbor will have his first full season of track um d1 track i will say um too so it'll be interesting to see if there's an adjustment period or if it helps if it doesn't help um just kind of seeing how that works out this summer will be really interesting i would assume it helps but also you know he's got to keep those hands active that's one thing i think the biggest uh, you know, hurdle, if you will, no pun intended, uh, for guys making the leap from track is, you know, keeping the hands in shape, right? The speed and all of that is there, and that's an advantage, but got to keep the hands in shape. So we'll see what happens with Harbor um, going into the summer. I think he'll be fine, but yeah, um, it, it'll be a big season for him um, in terms of, you know, being on the field because there will be no doubt he will be on the field. Um, so we'll see what his production looks like going forward. And Travis brings up, you know, he throws out his prediction, uh, throwing out Gage Leverdane coming in from Miami of Ohio. And he's a young man that did some good things. He did some really nice things over there the last couple of years. But uh, last season, 679 yards, six touchdowns. You know, I, I think when you look at 
and he was someone that was in contact with a lot of a lot of different schools when he hit the portal. I mean, we're talking Michigan State, Ole Miss, Houston, Baylor, Memphis, Tulane, California, Missis, uh, Minnesota, Marshall, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Tennessee, Louisville, Auburn, Miami, Kentucky. I mean, you, you get the point. Washington. He had over 1,200 receiving yards in two seasons there. So I bring I bring this up because he is someone that certainly could be in position to be the number one guy, Travis. Um, I really, I really like Jared Brown. You know, not the biggest guy, but he's someone I feel like, and you need it, right? You need it for every team. You need to be able to have someone that has the ability to stretch the field. And I'm not saying Gage isn't capable of doing that. Um, certainly, he has the speed to do it, but. I think Jared will probably be that guy. Now, here's the question, right? We can get high on some of these players right now. The reality is not every player is going to come in here, especially the guys that only have one year left, and they're not going to make an impact the, the way that you would like them to do. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I mean, just like from a high school recruiting standpoint, some players come in here and they just don't make the impact. And that's not being Debbie Downer, but that's just the reality of it. And... I mean, it's not just South Carolina, but if you go over to Gamecock Central, I've done stories about it. The players that have come in through the portal, South Carolina last season, yeah, not the most production from the players that came in. I mean, it happens overall. Year before that, though, some guys you're going to miss on, but there were some guys, too, that came in here and did some good things. We can go back to Beamer's first year, too, Carl and Spatellos of the world, all that, right? So. It always happens. It always happens that there'll be some guys that will make a difference and then won't be there'll be some guys that don't. Um Batman asked me about the Oklahoma offensive lineman that South Carolina was able to land over the weekend. And that is offensive tackle Aaron Parks that you mentioned earlier today, Joe. Mm-hmm. I said this before, right? When you look at a player like Parks and you look at a player, too, like uh, Goodwine, the transfer defensive lineman from Alabama, South Carolina was able to pick up. Both those players don't have the type of resumes in comparison to some of these other players that are coming in here. When I mean resumes, I'm talking about from a production standpoint. Having said all that, I'm not writing them out. Because I look at it in two in two ways, right? Number one, worst case scenario, and we talked about this on your show on Sunday. Worst case scenario, they come mm-hmm. in here and they're able to add some depth, right? That's the worst case scenario. They're able to add some depth. And they're coming from winning programs too, okay? They understand what winning looks like. And I always think that is something that gets lost sometimes in the fold. That they can teach some of the younger guys what winning looks like. But number two... These are two guys that, from a practice standpoint, especially when you talk about Alabama football, these are two guys that are coming from programs that have a lot of talent. And while not a lot of people are going to go on record saying this publicly, let's just call for what it is. Practice reps mean something. At you know, When you're talking about college football and you're playing against that type of talent, practice reps mean something. It's not going to be something that when a player transfers, we're going to talk, oh, yeah, man, all the great practice reps he got at Alabama. People don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that, Oklahoma. But that's part of it. 
It's part of it. So I say that because, again, worst case scenario, you got you bring in a guy like Parks on the offensive line. You can say good wine on the defensive line from Bama. But you look at a guy like Parks, he comes in here. Worst case, he provides depth. Worst case, he teaches the young guys what winning culture looks like. Right? What winning looks like overall. And I understand Texas won the conference, but you know what I mean. He's, he was there for a couple of years. But um, best case scenario, you bring a guy in here who is hungry to prove people wrong because he went in and, look, it's not making excuses. It just happens at some schools. New head coach comes in. New positional coach comes in. They want to be able to get their guys out there. They want to be able to play their guys a little bit more because it makes them look good for the head coach. This happens everywhere through college football, all the way down to D3. So yeah. I think it's going to give him a good opportunity to come in here. I think it's a good pickup for South Carolina because, like I said, worst-case scenario, you have someone in here who's able to teach the young guys what winning looks like, and you're able to get people that have the size to be able to play at this level to provide some depth, which, as we know from South Carolina, for South Carolina at the offensive line position, they will certainly welcome that after what took place last season. Yeah, absolutely. Depth is the biggest thing, right? Running back, defensive line, you already got it in those two positions. So you're just trying to clean up the scraps in the portal. Um, now, granted, the the scraps that you need are you know pivotal ones, sure. But um, you know you'll need to finish your job in the transfer portal and then lock in for spring football. Yep. All right, Joe. We're gonna wrap things up as we hit that three o'clock mark. Hopefully, everyone is safe out there. I'm- in my office, so outside of hearing some wind and rain, don't know exactly what's going on with the weather right now. Yep. I Say some prayers to... for me as I'm making my trek to class. Um, out now in the monsoon here pretty soon. So. Well, we have the the updated uh, from uh, the Weather Channel saying severe thunderstorm warning until 3:45. But as we all know, depending on when you're listening to this, or if you're listening to it live. Obviously, things change minute to minute. So, again, just everyone be safe out there. But um, let's see what we got here. Liberty Tax, Joe. Tax season's right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. It is right around the corner, Mike. Um, as we get to our first spot today, Liberty Tax are good friends over there. Tax ideas on that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax and Earl Lexington in Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. They're fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, Talk to Liberty Tax Team to make sure you're not paying more than you should. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by task professionals from your neighborhood. Open 99 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, on your screen right now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs this tax season, Mike. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond over at the Movement Mortgage. If you're trying to purchase a home, you know, for the last, I'd say, about two years now, really, just under two years, the interest rates have been absolutely insane. And as we get into 2024, optimistic that those rates are going to be dropping in the near future. But depending on when you're looking for a home, sometimes you can't wait. 
Or if you want to wait, trying to figure out how long you should wait, well, give Clint a call. He can help you out the same way he helped out our very own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth. When both of those guys were looking for new homes, give Clint a call at 803-771-6933. If you missed any of our show today, Head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network where you can listen to not just this show, but any Gamecock show that drops, as well as the ones that appear on 107.5 The Game. In addition to that, if you are not already a Gamecock Central subscriber, head on over to Gamecock Central. Sign up today for your first month for just one buck. Yeah, one dollar. You can't beat that. And you can find... Not just these shows, but you can also find other on three videos, which include not just Gamecock Central content, but if you want to go down the rabbit hole of college sports as a whole, on three has you covered. So you can find that all over there. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Be safe out there if you have to head out there on the roads, trees, all that crazy stuff. Want to make sure everyone is safe and uh, make sure that you protect your loved ones as we battle through this storm today take care everyone and we will see you on thursday for gc live afternoon drive